Welcome to Alive Experience, the online teaching ministry of Pastor Pascal Ngui. Pastor Pascal is the senior pastor of Alive Bible Church, a vibrant and growing church with branches across South Africa. Pastor Pascal teaches the Word of God with accuracy and power, always leaving his audience empowered, challenged, and ready for change. As you listen, get ready to be blessed by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's join the message already in progress. Father, we thank you so much that you've chosen to bless us. In fact, first of all, that you have chosen us to stand in your presence, to know your son Jesus, to have a relationship with him. And you've done further than that, you have chosen us to serve in your courts, Father. Thank you for this privilege. Never shall we take it for granted that of seven billion people on earth, your finger has been pointed towards us. Father, this morning, I speak your blessing upon this service as it is already present. Bless your people mightily in the name of Jesus. Give us spiritual understanding. Give us revelation so that what is said will be applied in our lives. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord one more time. You can please be seated in his presence. You are all welcome to our live experience online. Um, this morning is the last Sunday of the month of June 2021. Never to be repeated. Amen. And it's also the last Sunday where I mean, for this season, I will be teaching on the series, The Power of Diligence. I believe that this series, if at all, any blessing has been brought through it, is that maybe it has awakened you. Maybe it has shown you areas in your life where you could improve. That is one of the main objectives of this ministry, to bring direction, to bring light into your life. The core scripture that the whole series was writing on is Proverbs 12, verse 24. The Bible says, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to false labor. The prophetic mandate of God concerning your life is rulership. The Bible says that he has redeemed us a people as kings and priests. So you're actually supposed to rule. And now, one of the things that we are doing in this series is to give you those tools that can actually turn you into the ruler that the Bible says you are. Diligence. The hand of the diligent will rule. What were we addressing in this series for the past three weeks, today being the fourth one? Number one, we were addressing chronic laziness in your life. Something chronic is something that doesn't want to heal. It's continuous. We're addressing chronic laziness in the church, in our lives. 
Proverbs 21, verse 25, the desire of the lazy one puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. And this has been the reality in many lives. People are being brought to a position of death, meaning cessation of results. Things are not happening. But the main reason for that is not because God hasn't blessed. The hands are blessed, but the hands have refused to work. Therefore, the blessing is not being manifested. So this chronic laziness that has come and sat on so many of us, my prayer is that in the name of Jesus and by virtue of this light that has come, you will stop being a lazy believer. You will enter into new dimensions of diligence in every area of your life. Number two, this series has come to address destructive routines in our lives. You know, one of the biggest things to do is to change. It's not easy to change. Even after a powerful series like this, you'll be surprised that not much has changed yet. Because it's not easy to change. We are people of habits and, and, and behavioral systems and, and we know we build routines around our lives. But some of those routines are destructive. They destroy us. I'm reminded in the book of you know, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, Then we turn and journeyed into the wilderness of the way to the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me. And we skirted Mansia for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Other versions said, you've turned around this same mountain long enough. And, 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 you know, after a couple of years, you develop certain habits. This series has come to address some of those habits, some of those routines that you have in your life. You are not aware of it now, but they are actually destructive. They are destroying your future. My prayer is that through this series, you will bring an end some of those behaviors. Number three, the series has come to address faith abuse in your life. Faith abuse. What is faith abuse? It's spiritual irresponsibility. Making God a sole person responsible for the happenings of your life. Faith abuse. What is faith abuse? Abusing faith. James 2 verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith, I have your works. I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. The New Living Translation says, I will show you my faith by what I do, by my actions. Faith abuse is a faith that is just speaking things but never does nothing. Making God the, the only person responsible for what should happen in your life. That's faith abuse. That's faith abuse. Through this teaching on diligence, you are now being told what actions you need to start taking so that your faith will work. Amen. Your faith shall work in Jesus' name. And lastly, we have brought, the Lord has brought this series to address grace misconceptions in your life. 
or shall I say misconceptions of grace, deceptions about grace in your life. You know, because somebody might think, Pastor, why are you teaching on this diligence, hard work? Isn't it that we are saved by grace? I mean, why, why, must, we, why must we now work hard like people who don't know God? Are you not contradicting the scriptures with this series of, you know, even though I'm using the Bible the whole time? Somebody here might be feeling that, you know, I mean, me, everything is by grace. And you know, I love the grace message. And to be honest with you, without grace, we'll be nowhere. But the fact of the matter is that that message has been so stretched and abused that it has thrown many people into error, which has given rise to all these irresponsibilities that we are seeing in the body of Christ today. People are not willing to do what they're supposed to do. They're expecting somebody to lay hands on them or do something funny for them to experience the miraculous. Such people don't like messages on diligence. Let me just help you understand the dimensions of grace quickly. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. But you need to understand why you have to be diligent. Because some of us are basing our laziness on the fact that, no, God will do it. I know God will do it. The first dimension of grace is what we call unmerited favor. Well, there's a dimension of grace that deal with matters that are beyond you and me. And to be very honest with you, there's only one major matter like that. That is your salvation. I've spoken about it here before. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, the Bible says, For by grace we have been saved through faith. By grace. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we know that there is a dimension of grace which is unmerited favor. It is God doing the work for you and me. And the Bible is clear that it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But interestingly, that is verse 9, verse, verse 8, verse 9 now says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So the first part of the verse talks about a certain thing that will happen for you without you having to do nothing. But then the second part of the verse is once that first part has happened, things change now. You are now created for good works. So the purpose of your life, now just a second earlier, you were, not having, you were not supposed to work to be saved. But now that you are saved, you are saved to do good works. Am I making sense to you? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The New Living Translation says that we should do them. Good works. Which leads me to the second leg of grace, which is grace is an empowerment to perform. You see, the first dimension of grace is unmerited favor. The second dimension of grace is now an empowerment that God gives you to perform or to do things. A power that God gives you that enables you to do the things that God wants you to do that you wouldn't be able to do if he didn't empower you to do them. That power is called grace. 
The same Paul that told you that he saved by grace, not by works, is the same Paul now in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. The same Paul, speaking about the same grace, is not telling you grace made him work more abundantly. I hope you understand the difference between the two. Unmerited favor and an empowerment to perform. Once you are saved, grace is no more unmerited. From the moment you are saved, grace is an empowerment to do things. You enter into a partnership with God. We find many scriptures that deal with that issue of partnership. Let me just give you one. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think according to the power that is at work within you. You see, he is able to do those things, but he is doing them according to the power that is at work within you, but you have to ask and you have to think. It's a partnership. He will not ask for you. He will not think for you. If the acting is low, the acting will be low. If the thinking is low, also the action that will come out will be low. So you have to educate yourself so that your asking and your thinking can be at a certain level. There's a partnership. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, we talk about we are laborers together with God. Laborers together with God. That's why this series is here. For you to understand, in order for you to see a change, I'm talking about a genuine change in your life, you're going to have to play your part. And that's what we're doing now. Just giving you understanding into your part to play. As a believer, yes, as a tongue-speaking believer, you have to know that you have a part to play in the miracle beyond what we can ask or think. We do the asking and we do the thinking. He does all those other things. Last week, we saw the profile picture of a diligent person. What does a diligent person look like? What is the image of a diligent person? We saw that a diligent person hates doing nothing. So if you are saying you are diligent, it means you are matching this description. I hate doing nothing. Sleeping at home the whole day. Why are you sleeping so much? God is going to do it. Now I'm trusting God, I'm trusting God. You know, that is, that is our talk. I'm trusting God, I'm trusting God. For what? You don't know, but you are just trusting God. Number two, a diligent person doesn't wait for an appointment later. as we sit at home the whole year waiting for something to happen. But every day, you see the sons of Bilal up and down the streets, up and down the street, trying to make things happen. But we are sitting at home under air conditioning. Number three, a diligent person is skillful in the job. They've taken the time to develop the skill. 
if there is anything that you have seen in this continent that is lacking, it's skill. I'm telling you. That's why we are unable to export our products. We always import from other countries. Because we know when they are produced by them, the quality will be okay. Nobody trusts our product, including ourselves. But if I'm lying to you, if now your neighbor just next door says, you know, from today, I'm making buckets. Don't go to Chopra to buy any bucket. Just come to me when you need a bucket. Will you go to him to buy a bucket? You will not go there. Because even if you know he's making bucket, the question will be what quality is it? See, the skill. The skill. The skill. Every one of you watching me this morning, you have to know something. Yes, you are born again. Yes, you pray in tongues. Yes, you attend church. But when it comes to offering a service, you need to know what you are doing. When it comes to supplying a service, all these things are just supposed to come to add to your package, not be your only package. You need to know the job. And you need to be good in the job. We read last week that David was skillful in playing the harp. In fact, that is what got him the place in the palace. The Bible says that a gift of a man, that I would like to say the, the, the developed gift, not just the gift, the developed gift, because as you might think that I'm a good preacher, which I believe God is helping me, but you'll be surprised that if the president needs a preacher now, I will not, I will not even be in the, in the waiting list. I mean, president, I'm even going very far. So when you say you are good, based on what? Who can place a demand on you? It's about time we stop being local champions. District champions. Community champions. And some of us are only family champions. That it is only in your family that people, and, and you know, they, are, they are just trying to be respectful to you. I mean, it's not even like you are really doing something major. They are just trying to not hurt your feelings. That's all. When you really start to shine, they don't have to say. The world will say it. And that is our challenge. Our challenge is that we share within the four walls of the church, but the, the reality is that the four walls of the church is us again inside there. And it's us with our low standards. Pushing our own little thing there. Praising ourselves, comparing ourselves with ourselves. Those very things we are doing in there, can we take them out? Can they carry any strength? Can they hold water? That's what I'm talking about. Because God did not send us to a church. He sent us to the world. Are you listening to me? That's why number four, a diligent person is excellent. Excellent. 
pursuit of excellence in what you are doing. Not just doing it because you know how to do it, but doing it with excellence. Meaning you have something added to it every single time you do it. Nobody has to watch you in the beginning. But I promise you, if you keep being excellent at what you're doing, God himself will lift you up. You're going to start attracting a steady crowd of people who have learned to appreciate value. But once in a while you draw them, but then the next time you drop the ball, then they withdraw. Excellent. It's a spirit. Everything I do, I do it excellently. The Bible says it this way. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. In other words, do it with all your heart. Do it with everything within you. Don't leave anything behind because you never know who is watching you. Prepare like this was the last time you will do this thing. Prepare like this is your only chance. In the day and time we are living in with this technology, you never know who will watch you even five years from now. You never know who will be browsing and coming across you. There are many people that God has led in my life. Nobody introduced them to me. I'm just browsing the internet and I came across them. Imagine if I came across them and they were speaking rubbish. This world is unforgiving when you miss your first chance. Very unforgiving. So I want to tell you something. Learn to be excellent. Learn to have a mind of excellence. Even if you are making your bed, make it excellently. You are cleaning the dishes. Do anything you are doing. The Bible says whatever your hands find to do. The moment your hands are on it, let excellence follow. Let diligence follow. You are giving a tax in the church. Do it with excellence. You are giving a tax as a tax at home. You see, that is how this thing starts. Not the day you are called by a wealthy man. It starts at home. We have this crazy belief that no, I can do things anyhow, and the day I get you know my opportunity, from that day I will shoot. No. In fact, the opportunity will never come. That is where you need to start from. There will never be that opportunity you are talking about. Because that opportunity is always a build up of a lot of diligent things you did in the secret. That's how it comes. Can I tell you something? That's why many people never have that day. Because they're waiting for that day to start becoming diligent. But the day is say, until you become diligent, I will never come. I'll never come. I hope you're hearing me. A number, another, sorry, another picture of a diligent man. A diligent person is not easily discouraged. You see, it's not just good to know how to do something. It takes a lot to rise. And there are a lot of obstacles on your way. I've told you this before. So just knowing the, just doing the work and being skillful is not what all it's going to take for you to succeed. You also need to have diligence in your heart and in your spirit. Not be the type of person that the moment people say no, 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 three times, you're already shattered. No. Part of you being a diligent person is you not being so easily discourageable. Matthew eleven twelve, 
And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. So that mentality you are having that things will be given to you for free. No, it's not for free, it's by force. By force. And the force we're talking about here is not you using, I mean, you know yourself, you don't have the muscles. That's not the force we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual force. Mental force. That you are not easily disguarded. You fight in your mind. You fight in your heart. You have the mind of Christ. A mind that doesn't give up until the goal is fulfilled. A man that doesn't get discouraged until he reaches his goals. That's the mind of Christ. Nothing could discourage him. That cross, no matter the pain, he went through it. He said, I have something I'm seeing in the future. I will not let anything stop me from reaching. And the Bible says, have that same mind. Have that same mind. Proverbs 18 verse 14, the Bible says, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. But who can bear a broken spirit? Who can bear a broken The moment a person's spirit is broken, there's nothing you can do. And that's why a diligent person is not easily discouraged. He's got a strong spirit. The Lord told Joshua, be strong, be courageous. Be very courageous. And I'm speaking to somebody this morning. I'm saying to you, be strong. I'm saying to you, be very courageous. Don't be easily discouraged. Don't be easily disappointed. Even if you are disappointed and now, go to the Lord. He's going to heal your heart. And you come back again. And you keep moving. That's part of you being diligent. In fact, one of the laws of consistency is that you should be able to recover from your previous discouragement and come back and do the same thing you were discouraged from doing yesterday. That's what makes you consistent. It's not that you never encounter a bad day. You do encounter bad days, but you don't let them make you a bad person. You rise above it. Hallelujah. Luke 1 verse 80. The Bible says, So the child grew and became strong in spirit. Let your growth not just be physical. Let your growth also be spiritual. Spirit growth. He became strong in spirit. Strong in spirit. Somebody is becoming strong in spirit. The child grew. So you are no more childish. When you are childish, you cry over everything. But when you become strong in spirit, you know how to stand your ground. He became strong in spirit and was in the desert, a very difficult place to grow, a very difficult place to operate. That is where he was. And that is why he was becoming strong in spirit. And the Bible says, till the day of his manifestation. Can I tell you something? There will never be a manifestation until there is a strong in the spirit. Strong in the spirit. Manifestation is the day people see you. But before people can see you, you have to grow in your spirit. You, first of all, you need to leave the childish stage. It's childish to only work when people watch you. It's childish. That's childish. It's childish to only submit reports when you know that somebody's going to ask for them. You are still very childish. But when you become strong in spirit, even when nobody is policing you, you are policing yourself. Even when nobody is asking, are you, have you studied? You are studying all by yourself. You have gone to the ant. You have learned the principles of growth from the ant without supervisor. 
supervisor, without ruler, he's supervising and ruling over himself. And that is just an ant. Your day of manifestation is awaiting you. But the greatest key to it, build diligence in your system. Build diligence in your system. Refuse to stay the way you are right now. I know I'm speaking to somebody this morning. Refuse to remain the way you are. The way you are will not take you to your place of manifestation. I hope you realize that many people went to the desert and never came back. They never came back. So maybe you are deciding this morning to become diligent. I would like to show you five areas where you should apply diligence. Number one, listen diligently. Listen diligently. This is an area, this is advice from the Bible. Now, I want to be diligent. I have been shown that how important, important diligence is. Now, there are certain areas where if I grow in diligence, I'll become an amazement to my world. The first area, listen diligently. And the first thing you should listen diligently is the voice of God. Listen diligently to the voice of God. Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, and it shall come to pass if you shall listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God. To the voice. It's Papa Kenneth Hagin who said the difference between pastors is their ability to access the voice of God. The difference between brothers in the same family, same father, same mother, is their ability, is their ability to access the voice of God. The difference between you and your classmate is your ability to access the voice of God. Why? Because it says down that God will set you above all nations on earth. But now you are not all nations, but you are just a people. God will set you above the people in that class. That is how you rise above your contemporaries. That's how you rise above those you were struggling with years ago. This is the key. Your diligent listening. Your ability to listen diligently. Because there are many voices out there. The Bible says there are many voices and none of them is without significance. So there are so many voices that are coming to you every day. But for you to develop a skill to catch the voice of heaven. That is where your life starts rising. He says, if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and observe to do all his commandments, which the, I command you this day, the Lord will set you on high. You will never have to set yourself there. He will set you there. You will never have to fight to rise. He will cause you to rise. And the only key, listen, don't just listen, listen diligently. That's the first level. I want to help somebody this morning. Your listening. Is it diligent or is it casual? 
Once in a while, you hear a signal. Once in a while, God says something. But some people go for weeks, for months, they never hear God. And they are not seeking to hear him. They are not trying to hear him. They don't know what he sounds like. Listen diligently. That is the master key to a world of victory. Your access to the voice of God. That's why Satan fights it left, right, and center. Now, how on earth can one man enter an entire country, a first world, world-class country called Egypt, bring the whole country to their knees? Because he hears God. And the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord God commanded to Moses, and the Lord, you will hear that, and you will get tired of reading that. But Moses was diligent to listen to every new instruction, every single time. Another person who had that ability to listen diligently was David. I've told you before. And David inquired of the Lord. And David inquired again of the Lord. Because just because God told you something yesterday doesn't mean he's saying the same thing today. That's why you need to continuously listen to him. May your eyes and your ears open. May you start having a desire to draw closer to God. Hallelujah. To listen diligently, diligently, diligently. The Bible says you shall hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. Don't go this way, go this way. You have to stay close to him. The Lord told us that my sheep hear my voice. It's, a, it's one of your birthright as a sheep is access to the voice of the, the shepherd. That's your access. Like if you are a sheep, your birthright is access to the voice of the shepherd. So today, your first key to hearing the voice of God, you must be born again. The moment you are a born again believer, all you need to do is to develop that skill. But it's accessible already for you. It's accessible. My sheep hear my voice. Not my goats, my sheep. Not my giraffes, not my lions. My sheep, hear my voice. My sheep, hear my voice. In the book of Proverbs, it says, he listen to me and live. Listen to me and live. How on earth do you think Abraham became Abraham? Abraham, leave your father, leave this, this. He just heard a voice. And he followed the voice. And look at what happened. Promotion after promotion. Abraham sacrificed your son for me on the mountain. When they did it, promotion again. Continuously listening. You see, when you are listening once in a while, it's not diligent. But when you are always tuned, just like Malachi, I set myself on the tower to hear and to see what he will say to me, that I may write it down. You see, that now you have become a diligent listener. You are a diligent listener. You don't only hear God on Sunday morning when pastor is preaching. You can also hear God during the week when nobody is preaching to you. You are a diligent listener. God can instruct you about certain things that nobody told you about. It's only him who told you about such things. That is how your life starts changing, my brother. Receive grace to listen diligently. Number two, seek diligently. Seek diligently. Hebrews 11 verse 6 but without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards not those who seek, those who seek diligently. In other versions it says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart. That's the diligent part of it. Your whole being has to be involved. This casual seeking, you are seeking God. What, what, what do you mean by seeking God? You are seeking the will of God. You are trying to know which step to take. You are trying to know what is the best thing to do or what is the next thing to do. God says when you are seeking him diligently, the rewards will be you will know his will. You will know what step to take. You will know which job to choose. You will know whom to marry. You will know exactly what to do if you seek him diligently. Diligently means with all your heart. Your whole being is tuned to him. You are not giving him rest. You are constantly knocking. You are constantly seeking. You are constantly there. That's how it happens. And let me tell you something. Anybody that even seeks even a job, you seek a job, a job diligently, you'll get it. I'm telling you now. Anything you seek diligently, you'll find. It's like that. It's a principle of life. Anything you will seek diligently, you will find it. One of the number one reasons why people don't find what they are, they are very distracted. They are seeking it distractedly, not diligently, distractedly. One leg in, one leg out. They are trying to, to read the Bible, they are trying to watch the TV at the same time. They are doing so many things. That, say, that it's not diligent. How can you hear God in such a place? How can you know what to do in that type of environment? Seek diligently. Now, I'm telling you, it says, with all your heart. Like, everybody that sees you will know, have you found it yet? Because we, are, we all know that is what you're looking for. When you are seeking it diligently, everybody around you will know that is what you're trying to achieve. But when you are seeking something and you are not diligent, nobody even knows you are seeking it. You see? Number three, pray diligently. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. The Bible says, pray, uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, that's the message translation. It says, pray diligently, stay alert, with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Psalm 55, verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and you shall hear my voice. Pray diligently, diligently. And David says, you know, for me to pray diligently, I pray in the evening, I pray at noon, I pray in the morning, I'm just praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And Paul came and said, pray without ceasing. Continue to do it. Whatever you are trusting God for, don't just pray, pack, 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 then you know, be on it. Often, often, you are raising the issue. Lord, it's me again, I'm back here for this matter, let's talk. What are you saying? Diligently. Remember one of the definitions of diligence is consistency. It's persistence. It's one of the definitions. So you are told to pray diligently. 
Don't just pray on Fridays. Pray diligently. That is where you will see the victory. Number four, study diligently. Study. You see, I'm giving you the areas where if you can bring diligence in those areas, your story is changing. Your story is changing. Pray diligently. Seek diligently. Listen diligently. Now, study diligently. John 5, verse 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you will have life eternal. These guys were studying the scriptures diligently. Their only problem is that they refused to go to the word itself. But as for the studies, they were not studying casually. They studied diligently. Paul told Timothy, give yourself wholly to these things. Whether it is the scriptures you are studying diligently or your books, you will do well. You will do well. It has to be diligent. Study diligently. Even a problem, if you study it diligently, you know the root of the problem. Yeah, many times that is, you see, when I'm, when I'm faced with a problem that doesn't want to go away, I realize I don't know the problem very well. And I start seeking God and studying it, taking my time. Where, where did this thing start? How did it start? Where did it start? Before you realize, you will get to the bottom of the problem. But it takes effort. It takes labor. And that's why the lazy man has no future because he doesn't want to do such things. He doesn't want to do such things. He wants another person to just come and say, you know what, your grandmother, this and this and this and this and this and this. But if you could take yourself, why is there poverty in this family? Why? What are the root causes? That alone will change your prayer points. Why everybody in this family is having, um, every, every, every girl in this family has children out of wedlock? Why? What is the root cause? Maybe that is how you will examine yourself. Study the problem diligently. When you are following somebody, follow diligently. Don't follow casually. That's another, another thing you must do diligently. Follow diligently. Follow diligently. The Bible says, my soul follow hard. That I'm diligent in my following. Until people start thinking that you are, you are imitating the person too much. If you are watching, I say, no, may I follow Pastor Pascal? Are you sure you are following me? If everything I do, you don't do. How can you see we're following you? I don't think so. Number five, lead diligently. Romans 12, verse 8. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If it is to lead, do it diligently. The New Living Translation says, if God has given you leadership ability, take your responsibility seriously. 
take your responsibility seriously. That's what it means to lead diligently. Don't be casual about people's lives. Don't be casual about people's souls. Take your responsibility seriously. You have people over you, take that responsibility seriously and you will save food. Take it seriously. Lastly, work diligently. Amen. This is where we spend most of the, 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 the month. Proverbs 22, verse 29, Seer that a man diligent in his business. He shall not stand before, he shall stand before king, he shall not stand before mean men. Work diligently. Any type of work. I'm going to read again Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, don't wait until somebody implores you, then you become diligent. No. Right now, what are you doing? Do it diligently. Is it cooking? Cook diligently. Is it cleaning? Clean diligently. Is it making your bed? Do it diligently. Is it fixing your wardrobe? Diligently. The Bible says whatever, whatever. Is it your studies? Study diligently. Is it a peace job? Do it diligently. Let the spirit of diligence enter you. The spirit of excellence enter you. Oh yeah. Because that is your way to the top. Once that thing enters you properly, you will not know how to do a bad job. And you start being distinguished and chosen all the time. Because people will notice, no, when he does it, always clear. But they start calling you, come and do it, come and do it, come and do it, come and do it, come and do it. That's how you start rising. It also empowers God to give you more grace because you are not abusing the grace. Not abusing the grace. Many talented people are watching me this morning, they are sleeping on the grace. No diligence. No sense of excellence. Not trying to do it just a little bit better. No desire to improve on what you are doing now. No hard work. Hmm? Diligence. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Why? For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. You say, you and I are going somewhere. And where you are going, there will be no work. Your only work is the one that is following you, the one you've done here. The Bible says that's the one that will follow you. So if you are waiting to go to heaven to work, ah, there will be nothing much there to do. Angels are doing most of the work. This is where you can work. I'm praying that this series has revived the desire to work in you. Do you understand? That you will not be one of those people who hates work. It's wrong for you to hate work. And you know, that is the main objective I've been trying to achieve in this series, is to help you love work. Not see work as a punishment. Not see work as something for slaves. I know black people were put in slavery for 400 years, and they were forced to labor without pay, without compensation. 
in many civilizations were the ones that do always the hard work. So it brought a certain attitude towards work. But unfortunately for us, that attitude is not benefiting us. At the end of the day, the person who doesn't work will still not eat. So we need to change our mind. We need to realize that the past must be left in the past. We must realize that anyone here now, for you to become anything, you need to have a good attitude towards work. A good attitude. One of the other objectives I'm, I'm hoping that I have achieved here is to remove that entitlement mentality that has carried us all these years and deceived us. You are feeling entitled to certain things. I'm telling you, that is grace abuse. That is faith abuse. And that's why those things don't bear fruit. They don't, I mean, they don't bear fruit. Entitlement mentality. There's a brother who was telling me, you know, he, because one day a professor of him, I told him, you know, God is going to do something great for you. He told me, if I didn't preach this service, he's been waiting for that thing. He's been waiting for that great thing that I prophesied one day. I, I told him, you know, you God is going to do something great for you. When I started cheering on the man, he said, hey, so it means that I have to also do something. The whole time, he's been, I mean, it's been almost two years. He's been waiting. I, 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 I didn't know what to say. You'll be surprised how we are just sitting there, not making any moves. Weeks are coming and going. We are not making any moves. Even after we hear something like this, many people will still close their Bible and say, yeah, that was a good series. But there's nothing that they're going to change. There's not, and I've, I've been asking, I want to ask you a question. Ever since I started teaching this series on the 10th of June, what did you change? I don't know whether the date of June or the 6th of June, somewhere there. What did you change? Ask yourself that question. Has anything changed in your sleep, in your waking up, in your actions? Has anything changed? Everything's the same. Another brother, the, the, the Monday following the opening of this series, I asked him, brother, what did you change between yesterday and today? He says to me, Pastor, one of the things that I have changed is that when you told me this morning that I was supposed to meet you at 7 a.m., I was there five minutes to seven. And I waited for you for two hours. I didn't come late. I was there before the time. Before I was going to beat them maybe like around half past seven or quarter to eight. But following the message on diligence, I was there before seven o'clock. I said, that is how I have started my change. I said, no, you are on the right track. Those of you that are waiting for a job of a, 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 a letter of employment, they say, no, let, let me now apply my diligence. You will be too late. Start where you are. Start where you are. Whatever your hand finds to do, whatever your hand finds to do, is it fixing the church? Is it fixing the chairs? Is it mobilizing people for the service? Whatever your hand finds to do, have you been given a responsibility? Are you doing it with all your might or you are holding back? And if you are holding back, who are you holding back for? Oh, let me ask you a question. Who is paying you for that back you are holding? Who is paying for that one? You must have somebody who will pay you for those things. Because if nobody is paying you, but you're just holding back, then you are the one wasting and losing. Praise the name of Jesus. So I'm really hoping that all these things, and I'm believing God, that this service has blessed you and will really revive your spirit. And, and a whole lot of you, 
will rise up to become giants in this season and in this world today based on this series. I want to encourage you to listen to it again. You might think you heard me, but you'll be surprised. Every time I listen to some of my mentors again and again, I discover things I never heard even once. Like, even when they spoke, I, 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 didn't, I don't think I heard that. I don't think I heard it. So listen to it again until the spirit of diligence enters your spirit. From that moment, you will become a rare species. May God bless you. Stand on your feet wherever you are and just thank the Lord for this series. Thank the Lord for the objectives that are being achieved through this series in your life. Lord, help me become diligent in listening, diligent in seeking, diligent in working. All these seven areas or six areas where I must become diligent. Lord, help me become diligent. Help me become diligent. Diligent, 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 diligent. Take away casualty. Take away casualty. Take away distractions. Take away these things from my spirit, Lord. Help me become diligent in all that I do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for the spirit of diligence to invade my world. Father, help me develop a sense of diligence. Father, baptize me with the spirit of diligence. Oh, Jesus. That I will become a hard-working person. Not a lazy bone running around producing nothing. Your grace, Lord. Your grace, Lord. Your grace, Lord. Let me be the difference in my family. We might, come, we might have come from the same father and same mother, but we don't have the same destiny. I need to make a decision. I need to make a decision. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we have given thanks. Well, I want to pray for somebody that is watching this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus. If you are watching me this morning and you are not born again, I want to encourage you right now to just drop everything and to make a commitment for the Lord Jesus. That's the best decision, that's the best diligent decision you can make. And after you make that decision, you will now make a decision to walk with the Lord diligently till you leave this world. That's what this church is all about, is to help people connect to God. To help people love God diligently and seek Him with all their hearts. If that is you, you want to give your life to Christ, you want to be born again, at the count of three, I would like to help you. And I want you to just raise your right hand to the heavens and I'll pray with you. One, two, three, raise your right hand. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. God bless all of you that are raising your hands. May God bless you. Please take them down. You are also watching, you are born again, but this morning you want to recommit your life to Christ. At the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand so I can pray with you. One, two, three, raise it up. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. You can take your hands down. Now, please repeat this sincere prayer from your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Forgive me my sins. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me on the third day you rose again that I might be justified. Right now, I believe my sins are forgiven. 
I'm justified by your blood. I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm born again. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me, for forgiving me, for saving me. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. Please drop us a comment in the comment section to tell us how this message has helped you. Remember also to subscribe to receive notifications on our latest sermons. You can also watch Pastor Pascal live every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. on our church Facebook page, Alive Bible Church HQ. Or you can worship with us live in one of our branches in Sun City, Macharora, Padima, Mohwase, Lidach, Rustenburg, and beyond. Have a blessed day. And remember, we are alive to give life.